You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, this is Chrissy Beltran and you are listening to a special bonus episode of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. So things are feeling pretty chaotic and unstable right now. We've recently moved to a distance learning model because schools have closed, many of them for the year, and if they haven't closed for the year, they might just not know it yet. <laughs> Parents are working from home, or and that's in quotation marks, or they're not working at all because their places of work have closed and they're stuck at home all day with their kids who are also trying to, quote, do school in a way that they've never done it before. So as coaches, we're trying to figure out how to respond to this COVID-19 catastrophe. We're scrambling to support teachers who are in very different places along a technological learning curve, and we're being held responsible for a slew of things that really weren't even on our radar before. So basically, we're all under a lot of stress, which is why I invited my sister-in-law, Stephanie Reyna, who is a counselor extraordinaire, to talk to us today. Stephanie is my go-to for all things mental health, and I want her to be your go-to, too. So thank you for joining us on the podcast today, Stephanie. Sure. <laughs> so can you tell us about who you are and a little bit about your educational background? Sure. Yeah. First of all, I am your sister-in-law, so we are family. We are and, family. Yeah. And <laughs> so what's really nice is that we're both educators in different realms of expertise, so it's nice to... Um, kind of collaborate and brainstorm ideas together about certain things. And I was really excited to hear that we were going to do this together. So, yeah, me too. Yeah. It's a nice way that we can both kind of share our own, um, like you're saying, our own background, our own experience, and hopefully help some people out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm a school counselor in Texas. This is my second year um, as a school counselor. I worked as an educator in like different capacities. Um, I was a classroom teacher for three and a half years. I taught fifth grade. Um, I had graduated with a degree in psychology, but I had done an alternative certification. So um, that's how I got certified to teach. And I had a long-term goal of working in the field of counseling, psychology, and mental health. And I wanted to merge what I liked about schools um, with that. So I thought school counseling would be perfect in the long uh, run. But in between there, I had worked um, as a tutor while I was a stay-at-home mom for a while. I was also an ABA therapist before I taught actually and in between um, that period of time between uh, graduate school and staying home. So I've kind of have uh, different experiences in education. And so it's kind of helped to inform me from different views um, of how I practice and how I relate to students and teachers. Yes, I think a lot of your background experiences have been varied and that is really helpful because you're working with you know, a group of kids that have a varied background experience. So it's really good to have that kind of, um, that sort of background. So school closures have affected almost everybody in some way or another. Um, I mean like everybody in the country. <laughs> so what are some of the ways that school closures have affected the families of kids who would normally be in school? Yeah, there are definitely many areas that are being affected, but I think the most, um, the blaring one that I noticed um, right away that affected, especially the school where I work at, and really any kids um, who are low income mm -hmm. um, and that go to a Title I school is um, food insecurity. And so 
our children get breakfast, lunch, and most of them get a uh, snack during mm -hmm. the day. And so um, that is something that they got five days a week. And so now being home, um, not having access to that has created a lot of um, distress around food uh, for the families mm -hmm. and for the children. Uh, in addition, childcare, um, the school um, provided childcare. Yes, we provide education, but that enables parents to work. And right. some schools have after school programs. Our school has a uh, grant funded after school program that is free. So children are at school until 545. And so it enables uh, parents to work and to be able to um, pick up their kid at a later time. So um, that is a big um, a setback for a lot of families trying to yeah. figure out and scramble where, where are their kids going to go while they work. Um, and if they're not able to work, like you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. what are they, what are they going to do during this time? So that's right. Yeah, those stressors of, of if you're if you are not working right now, the stress, the financial stress, it's just crippling. And if you are able to work right now, but you're working from home, that is rough. You know, I mean, trying to work at the same time as you're trying to manage your own children, and like you're talking about, you know, with um, having access to meals, we do have like I live just down the street from an elementary, a K eight. And they are serving meals to kids. It's any kid between the age of one and 18. So I can take my daughter, swing by in the car and pick up a, a packaged meal because that's how they're, they're demonstrating that they're providing that food to the community so they can still get their money, you know, from the government. But, you know, th that requires a parent to be able to take the kids in a vehicle to go pick it up. So the food is there, but they have to go get it. So that's not always an option for everybody. Yeah. Very similarly to um, for us, They're, they are mm -hmm. providing meals um, to any child, you don't have to be enrolled, um, but there are other obstacles, like you said, that um, sometimes uh, we don't think about. I do know that they're doing drop-off locations uh, for mm -hmm. buses, so there's certain time slots that a bus will be at a uh, intersection of, you know, the neighborhoods for 15 to 20 minutes, so uh, mm -hmm. families can line up. Um, you know, keeping in mind space in between uh, families, but can still pick up. But um, there's always going to be some kind of barrier. So sometimes right. some of our parents, um, even though this was on the website, it was announced, some of our parents didn't know. And so, you know, they have already been doing this for a few days. And so we getting the info out is very difficult sometimes. Yes. And, and the parents actually being able to get to the site is difficult as well. Um, so the school was, you know, more than just a school. So mm -hmm. we, so it offered a lot of those basic needs for our children. Um, in addition to some of the other, to the basic kind of areas of, of human needs, also a need for um, a safety and structure and routine, yeah. a safety net for the kids, for the families to know what's coming next, what to expect Monday through Friday. So that has been a big disruption. Uh, need for connectedness. Uh, these kids saw their friends, their teachers, uh, these trusting adults every day. And now they, a lot of them are, do not have access to go anywhere, even to walk outside. So um, that is something that's been kind of taken away that could be hard. And like you mm -hmm. mentioned, the financial decision. So all of this compounded, maybe some uh, are affected in some areas more than others, but it's certainly um, traumatic. It can, it's a traumatic experience that they're, they're having. 
Yeah, it is. And so that, that, that creates constant anxiety in our kids and in our, and and everybody, right? Everybody going through this. So what could that anxiety look like in our students? How might that be played out in their homes? Yeah. Well, first I think we should start with, um, anxiety in general, like what is anxiety? Mm -hmm. And, um, it's an, it's a fear-based response. And so at some point in time, evolutionarily, it was useful. Anxiety, uh, told us when to run away, when to be scared, Right. But now, um, as we've evolved, we we have these these feelings of worrying about the future, about the past, sometimes when there is no perceived threat. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we get in these um, dysregulated states and we're constantly which goes back to like our emotions. We're constantly regulating our emotions that have a response in our body and in our thoughts. And so kids, when, when they're feeling dysregulated or what, what I teach the kids, we call it a flippy. So we use Bruce Perry's hand brain model. And when our lid is flipped, so to speak, we're dysregulated. And so when we're in these anxiety states, we're dysregulated. And so what that might look like in children as it affects them in these really important developmental periods is we might see fight, flight, and freeze responses. And so fight may look like uh, yelling, hitting, screaming, crying, flight, maybe, maybe you're at home and you're asking your child to do something and they're avoiding what you're telling them to do. They may want to hide away in their room. They mm-hmm. might, may not want to talk to you. They might want to avoid um, conversations with people that they, they, you would think they trust, like their parents, right? But they, mm-hmm. they don't want to talk. They might be giving short answers. They maybe having difficulty adapting to difficulty adapting to a new routine so that might be a flight a freeze could be um they're confused Uh, maybe they are taking a lot longer than usual to understand something you're telling them so like a slower processing time they may may just have general difficulty um at home with these changes and so children may um, be experiencing a combination of all of these things right now. And they're probably not able to verbalize. I mean, even as adults, we struggle to verbalize what it is that's causing us to feel that way. Um, So children have even less experience doing that. Right. Right. And um, I think adults, like you said, similarly, some of these um, apply to adults as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And we may be feeling, um, in addition to kind of picking up on their anxieties, uh, they're feeding on ours too. And so we're starting to feel overwhelmed, uh, feelings mm-hmm. of hopelessness because we don't know what the future entails. And so um, we get caught in our thoughts a lot. So right. children might be aware of what's happening in their body and it's coming out as screaming or yelling, but we, we, we're kind of more aware uh, cognitive to, cognitively. So we might be internalizing certain questions or our thoughts and get stuck in like a reel. And I even noticed myself in the what if cycle, just constantly thinking, what if this happens? What if this, what if this, mm-hmm. it's, it's usually those worst case scenarios that I'm thinking, what if, right. if I would turn that, that what if into a positive, sometimes that can kind of lift me out of it, but that's just something that I have, have learned over time to notice. And so sometimes we don't notice those uh, cyclical questions um, that, that don't have a pause sometimes, right? What does that, real quickly, what does it look like when you turn a what if into a positive? So one thing I do with the kids is like a flip. So usually around test, 
test taking time mm -hmm. we talk about we literally take our hands and we gesture flip so we'll take a statement like oh i'm gonna fail this test or a question what if i fail this test and we flip it and we say what if i pass what mm -hmm. if i do my best what if I actually get things right? And so then we kind of either, with the older kids, we might journal a little bit how that felt. With the younger kids that are like third, they're just, they're just starting to take these tests. So I might just use charts and point out, wow, what, what did I notice differently in my feelings when I said that? Mm -hmm. What did I notice differently in my body? Like, was I more relieved? Was I breathing uh, lighter, easier? When I, did I tense up when I thought, oh, what if this happened? Or what if I, the negative, right? So we compare. Mm -hmm. And so we practice saying the positives out loud into each other and noticing the difference. And so when they approach a task or something that might be a little stressful, they're practicing saying those positive thought flips. I like that because it's something anybody can do anytime ever. <laughs> you don't have to wait for a national pandemic to try to flip something into a positive. Right. Yeah, that's a, and, and it just takes practice because we are naturally as humans inclined to think negative and to, right. think to perceive the threats. Yeah. Right. We're, yeah. we're designed to protect ourselves and our people. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, so, and so. That's and how so, we made it. That's how yeah. we made it this far. That's why the dodo isn't a thing. It yeah. didn't have this. Yeah. We have humanity now. Yeah. It's um, so yeah. And, and what I really like about I'll touch a little bit later is that even that critic, what I what, the concept of self compassion is having kindness towards ourselves. Mm -hmm. And part of uh, a component of that is taking that critic that negative, and noticing that even in the negative, there that person is still looking out for you, they're criticizing, they're being critical because mm -hmm. they want your best interest because they they want you to be successful they want um you to have a a, a healthy well-being that's really what's behind the critic and so um yeah i really will put some of those links below to check out um some of that self-compassion work by uh, dr Kristen neff because um it really helps us to understand um, what that critic is actually doing and what they're there for it's a it's a really interesting thing to flip that on his head. It's like a kind of meta thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, um, it's really, um, but even children can kind of uh, grasp um, the idea of thought flipping. So. Yeah, I love that. And you make it so kinesthetic. So that's great. Hey coaches, I'm just going to pop in here really fast because I want to share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration. And I honestly didn't even know that was something I was going to have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me, <laughs> but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. 
Basically, I started coaching with confidence. This work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. Um, so can you, if that's what anxiety could look like in our students, as coaches, we're responsible for supporting teachers in order to support kids. So what would that anxiety look like in teachers right now? Or could it look like? Yeah. And um, teachers, adults in general, I think mm -hmm. that um, we might be thinking, wow, I'm not, we might be internalizing some of those anxieties, like flipping it internally saying, I am not able to, or I am never going to, or I am so bad at this. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of this change to technology. These are just some phrases I've heard recently. I'm so bad at um, technology. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Those um, blanket statements. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and then I hear external ones like lashing out at those that, uh, that are working with us or even those that we trust at home, like, oh, it's their fault, right? Or blaming others. I think I do that one. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. Just being honest, guys. Yeah. My too. husband will hear this because he is also my editor, and I think that is what I do. <laughs> so. No, and we've all been there. We've, we've right. all done the internal. We've all done the external. And the important thing is just um, to be aware of it and notice when that's happening because there's always a chance, especially when we're talking about working with teachers, working with coworkers, working with our partner to, hey, how are we going to get through these days? Like, mm -hmm. we're going to make mistakes. We're going to lash out. It's going to happen. But when you have the awareness that it's happening, that comes first. And second comes that, that repair, which mm -hmm. is like that apology or that acknowledgement. You know, I noticed that I did that. Mm -hmm. And so don't be afraid to do that with the people you work with too, because it really goes a long way. Really yeah. You know what? That is very true. And that's one of the things that I try to tell coaches. If you mess up and we all do say, you know what? I'm sorry. I messed up. And if you can be upfront about it, most of the time people are, are pretty supportive of that because they are thankful that you actually acknowledge that you messed up. Yeah. 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 I so, so kids right now are going through a lot. And one of the things that teachers can do uh, to kind of see where they are and respond to that is to do some check-ins with their kids, which we've seen. I mean, I, I know many teachers have probably seen and coaches um, different ways of checking in with kids during the school day where they have like the charts with the different zones and they have like the different colors and you move your clip or you put your sticky and that kind of thing. But um, what are some ways that teachers can check in with their students now that they're doing distance learning? What could that look like? Yeah, I think I've seen a variety of things um, online, but I think important, the most important thing before um, getting really creative with the ways in which you're doing it, mm -hmm. I think that's like maybe the, the second step. I think the first step is just reaching out in whichever way you can mm -hmm. and having a, um, whether that's a phone call or a Zoom or some sort of direct way of contact, knowing that you're there. Um, my uh, 
make, make the students realize that, okay, you know, our teachers there, they care about us, the families are like, okay, it's just a little drop of stability that they may need right now. So mm -hmm. don't worry too much about the how yet. So mm -hmm. make that make that first initial contact um, that, hey, I'm here, I'm thinking about you, what are some things that you're needing right now, and maybe taking a little inventory. That's what we've kind of started, we're going to start doing at our school is, you know, are you in need of technology? Are you aware of, about the, um, the food drop-off? So just getting some basic information of how they're doing might be the first step. And so I think the second step, when you get to that second step, and you've you've planned with your teachers and you're like okay how are we going to connect that might be um, a time to figure out like what's your what your platform is going to right mm -hmm. so um some things that uh you and i and chrissy chrissy and i have talked about is uh, like are you going to use google uh, classroom are you going to use class dojo are you going to use google forms are you can email or um, our, where I work specifically, we're using Blend, which is also called Canvas in some places. So um, this is where we're gonna be offering like the virtual learning. So figuring out as a, as a system, what is the way in which you're gonna communicate? And then the third step would be like, what is it that you wanna put in? How are you gonna check in? Mm -hmm. So I've seen some different ideas. So you mentioned like, um, teachers having a way that they check in with students, any way that would resemble what you would do in class online would be really beneficial to the kids because they're going to recognize, oh, I know how to do this. It's already going to give them some confidence. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of a pre-K teacher who she has a, um, some little emoji type faces with colors and right when they walk in, they kind of, they put their hand on where that would be. So finding a way to um, put that virtually you mm -hmm. know whether it's visually um i know some i know in the counseling office we use feeling charts so we're and feeling uh wheels so we're going to put those um scales on a, a s'more link and so they can see like okay look at, i'm going to pull up this more with me where are you at look at the chart and so that's we're using the same thing we would use that we would in the counseling office right yeah i like that yeah, like so kind of to summarize like the first step is to use some sort of individual communication tool where you're talking to each kid and it's you the teacher communicating with each each kid to get kind of a baseline and see what they have to make sure that some of the basics are in place in their home and that they're aware of what's available to them and then i like the idea of choosing a hub somewhere where you're going to use consistently you're going to communicate with kids in the interview that i did with my brother ben um, we talked about using google classroom and so what you talked about with step three figuring out a way that you can check in that resembles a classroom that's kind of what he said he goes pretty much whatever you did in the classroom that was motivational or you know something that kids really look forward to you can do that virtually you just might have to be a little creative about what that could look like but if it's something that was working for your kids and they were excited about it you don't want to cut it out um, because that's that's the personal connection that they need right now even more than when they were in the school possibly so yeah. you know if you did like using those um, the different colors or the different emojis you could you know take a picture of the chart that you already had or make an image out of it stick it at the top of a Google form and then create little radio buttons where kids just click the one that represents how they feel and then you could leave a form field there so they could type in if they, you know, they want a justification or like to explain why they feel that that resembles, you know, their own personal state. Um, it's easy to do, but it would look like what they were used to doing in the classroom. So I like that making that connection because they already know how to do it. You're not adding stress for them to do something that's completely different 
um, that they've never seen before. Right, right. It's that consistency uh, piece that will give them um, some sort, sort of sense of safety and um, just being comfortable, like, okay, I got this. I can do this. I recognize this. And mm-hmm. um, I think in that too, you can still be creative and add new things, especially allowing time for um, processing what's happening. And so I think um, some fair um, questions could be, you know, how um, how are you getting through this time? Like what has been hard? What has been, mm-hmm. what has been good? And so in our school counseling groups, we kind of, we, and we do circles or we're doing small groups, we do check-ins like highs and lows, or some people call them roses and thorns, like what's your rose, what's your thorn, um, and, or, or successes and challenges. We've done that in staff meetings too. What have been some successes in this process when we're learning something new or doing something new? Mm-hmm. And what have been some challenges? What have been things that have been hard? And sometimes um, hearing that. So once you've gone beyond the individual check-in and you're doing it maybe as a group or it's a discussion board or somewhere where people can see other responses, or mm-hmm. if you're having them journal like in a, in a discussion feed or something, they can kind of notice, oh, they're going through that too. Or, hey, that went well for me too. I got that too. Um, that can be another way to kind of widen the circle and kind of notice like what, what are other people going through too and what's, what's going well and what's not. I like that. So then those are some ways that coaches can check in with teachers actually, right? Like as a coach and a counselor, you support mental health of adults on your campus and coaches right now, that is really kind of going to be something that you're going to want to check in with your teachers on because it doesn't matter what amazing plan you guys put together for curriculum and content if your teachers are not in a good place (laughs) and they're not, not really communicating with you. So those are a couple of things that people can do to check in with their teachers. What else could they do right now during virtual learning? I think that, yeah, some of these things apply to the children and adults. Mm-hmm. I use yeah. them, the same things I use with the kids and the adults. Sure. Um, but I think one would good little, um, little assessment would be asking them, uh, what are you needing? What are you needing right now? What are you wanting? Uh, what are your best hopes for? Sometimes if, if that day is very challenging, let's say you've met, um, we've had a meeting, I know an hour long Zoom meeting with the grade level and you're like, what, where do we go from here? Because it mm-hmm. was just um, a lot of information. You could right. kind of gauge that, you know what, this is really hard right now. Um, a really good solution focused question is, well, what are your best hopes? Like, what are you hoping for today? Mm-hmm. What are your best hopes for the week? Especially if you usually do those meetings on Monday or Tuesday right? So what are your mm-hmm. best hopes for the week? And so keeping it kind of short, um, instead of talking about the long haul, this next three months, right? Or however long this long haul, um, keeping it kind of in the present could be useful too. Yeah, I think especially if your school, so some schools are jumping into this with some background in blended learning, or other, you know, similar kinds of philosophies. And they have so much already set up that the kids were more, e- more easily able to transition. If they're one-to-one devices, the kids were able to take them home. Uh, they already had their own personal blended learning boards. Some of those things are in place, but that is not the case everywhere. So sometimes teachers are starting from scratch and building an online platform when there was nothing in place at all. And, um, and that is really stressful. So yeah, starting with what, what, what do you hope to accomplish? You know, what do you, what do you hope for this week? I love that because it could be anything and teachers can think as big or as focused as they need to think depending on where they are. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's actually really related to what 
um, we say in counseling a lot is meet, meet the student, meet the client where they are, right? Mm -hmm. So you're really going to be meeting, everyone is going to be at different levels. Everyone is going to have right. different areas of strength and expertise. And so acknowledging that and tapping into also finding in that way you can find um, those that can help others, you know, especially if you're stretched mm -hmm. in and you're the only coach for your school um, or you're the only coach for a, a big group of people. Um, I think that would be useful too. Yeah, that's true. And that's something we say in coaching a lot too, meet people where they are, because if you're trying to do, you have all these grand plans, but that's not where people are right now. You're, you're not really going to be able to make much of an impact because people are going to think you're nuts. So you have to start <laughs> where everybody is and work with that. And then you can push and support and push and support, but you can't, you can't just expect everybody to follow your lead whenever that's not where they're headed. Right, right. So what are some of the challenges that teachers will be facing in working with students virtually? And how could they work through some of those challenges? I mean, I know that's a really broad question, but um, what are some of the things that you're seeing right now? Um, I think the biggest um, kind of hurdle is access, mm -hmm. um, access to Wi-Fi, access to technology. And it has really um, uh, kind of brought to light the inequity Right. There is, you know, in our communities and our, and not just our community, but like as a whole, our system as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, it's really like so. a rich get richer situation and it's always been that way. And it, and I feel like this just makes it aware, maybe people who didn't really realize that before, hopefully this is making that clear at the very yeah. least. Maybe that's something good that could come out of this is people go, oh wow, the rich are getting richer because we are not, we're not making things equitable for people who don't already have what we would like them to have. Right. Um, I was thinking of a specific example um, mm -hmm. when I was thinking about this topic. Um, there are schools um, in the same, cause so the, the county in which I live is very, very large, uh, but there are schools at different levels and in different, even though we've been out of school um, the same, same amount of time, there are groups of students uh, within schools that already are doing um, virtual learning in the morning, in the afternoon. Um, everyone has a laptop because they're right. using their personal devices, right? And the families have, they pay for, um, you know, private uh, uh, cable, uh, Wi-Fi wi or internet, right? right? Internet connection. Mm -hmm. And um, so there are, you have these things up and running. And I was speaking to a teacher a couple days ago and she said, I don't even know if they've gotten my basic messages about the school being closed for this long because there were still oh, wow. cars yeah, like coming on those first couple oh, days right and so um and then as she was able to get in touch with each uh parent finally in, in some way or form we're utilizing mm -hmm. any way we can um a lot of our parents don't have um because we thought well they don't have devices or some don't have tablets or they might have some sort of device but they don't have wi-fi but mm -hmm. they have their cell phones and so um, some phones have the capacity to have some of these uh, virtual learning apps. Right. Like we have access to the website, but that also requires data, right? right? If you have a data plan and for you to be paying into that plan. And so, um, or you have to go park in a parking lot that is offering their Wi-Fi right now. You have to, right. like, out, then, yeah. Yeah. And then we have all these restrictions about where we can go and what mm -hmm. we're and things. So, um, we were just kind of brainstorming and she was saying, you know, I, we figured out Google voice, you can send text message and te a text message is very low 
um, mm-hmm. uh, data, right? It doesn't require Wi-Fi. I think, I don't know. I don't know all the technical terms, but it, it does, <laughs> But it's more accessible than most of the other kinds of technology that they were right. trying. Yeah. Yeah. So we can send a, um, a, a text message text message via mm-hmm. Google voice mm-hmm. and then the, the parent was able to respond that way. Okay. And then eventually when they had, you know, um, the minutes or whatever, whatever they paid for on their low, um, mm-hmm. like their low processing speed phone, they could eventually call that, uh, little voice number. Right. Okay. Um, so we were still able to get in contact, but it just, there's just different, um, obstacles that, mm-hmm. yeah. That, yeah, that, that we used to have a lot of similar challenges at one of the schools that I worked at and parents often had to change their phone number frequently for different reasons. And so sometimes the number you have on file, even if you've updated it twice that year, it's not the number for that family anymore. So that was a real challenge and we used to solve it by doing a home visit, but you can't do a home visit. Right. So it's it's a really that's a really difficult one. Right. Yeah, keeping communication open, and that that's kind of like the priority, I think, um, for now. Yes, we're all planning for the big, um, the big shift of virtual learning. We're planning that on on our on our time, but we just need to make those contacts. And if we haven't made an, an initial contact, like that's something that the administration mm-hmm. or the district they need to know which families we haven't been able to reach, right? Right. And so basically- That's a safety issue as well, absolutely, because they may not, you don't know where people are getting information and you want to make sure that they know what they need to know right now. Yeah. And I think in this in this process of feeling like, um, I'm just thinking of what some teachers have shared that they're feeling kind of like helpless. They've tried mm-hmm. multiple, multiple ways and I was just um, telling teacher, you know, you're doing the best you can with the tools that you have. And even though, and they're like, if only I, if, if I could be out there, if we could, we keep thinking right. back to the way we usually do things because right. that, that, that's our world, right? And everything has been turned around. So we have to just really be flexible with ourselves and realize our limitations, but that we're doing whatever we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. No, you're right. I, I, my husband sent me, um, I was working on something earlier during nap time and, you know, lately I've been really frustrated. I am not having obviously the same problems. I am self-employed, so I'm having different problems. <laughs> your listeners know that we're, we're not about your nap time, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. I wasn't working during my own nap time. I was working during my toddler's nap time. And so I was trying to anyway. And my right. husband sent me a little meme that he found that says, you will not be as productive as you would like during a literal pandemic. And I was like, okay, I, I get it. I hear what you're saying, you know, but it's hard because you, you push yourself and you want to accomplish all these things and you want to do what's best for people. And it's just not uh, the optimal, you know, we don't have the system set up right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does, it, it does take a toll. Cause then we start to, well, I felt a little this, this week, like you start to, uh, kind of blame yourself and feeling like, well, I, I, I wish I could and, or I should. And you start to kind of internalize like you could be doing more, right? right. And should is one of my favorite words. Should. Yeah. Should. A lot. <laughs> should, should. And, and yeah, and it, it's really heavy uh, mm-hmm. on yourself and it really was. And I had to, to kind of take a step back and kind of think of those metaphors of, of the cup, right? You can't pour into someone's cup right. and you don't have anything in your cup and things like that. Like we have to take care of ourselves in order to be able to take care of others. And so, uh, and that looks different for everybody, but that's kind of something that helped me to take a little pause 
right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to pause at some point and, and, oh, drink water, right? And have right. lunch and, you know what, connect with my kids for a little bit and then, you know, okay, I can get back to it, right? Mm -hmm. That's great. So, okay. So right now we talked a little bit about how consistency is so important right now because this has been a huge shift for obviously for teachers and faculty, but for kids, this is their entire world, you know, school is where they spend most of their time during the day. So how can a teacher provide consistency to their students when everything is, is changing? And what can that look like when you're teaching online right now? Yeah. Um, similar to before, but I'll, I'm going to add a couple SEL components in here. Um, uh, SEL, social emotional learning, has three kind of pillars of, of interacting with students. And so the first one is like the welcoming routine. And so you might be doing this already and not know that it's called a welcoming routine, right? And you might be a coach who has a welcome routine welcoming routine when you meet with teachers and you're like, oh, I didn't realize this was part of it. And so whatever it is that you do to get the day started. So my son's uh, preschool, they do a circle time, right? So they sit down, they talk about the, the weather, um, and they sing a couple songs. And so they kind of do the same thing every day. And so it was really cute to see um, last week their preschool got up and running a Zoom meeting. And so the kids did the same thing they would do um, during class. And so their faces just kind of lit up. It was just the cutest thing. Um, and my daughter was talking about how her class, they take role. So one day we were at home and it, I don't remember what day it was of the self-isolation, but she's like, okay, everybody raise your hand. If I call out your name and you say present or not. And, so, and I was three of us. So I was like, we went ahead and did it. And so if there's any way that you can um, continue um, those uh, morning rituals, those welcoming, what do you do to welcome students every day? And so mm -hmm. that, that looks different across grade levels, across teaching styles and personalities, but whatever it is that you do, try to adapt it in some way, whether that's verbally, visually online, video, anything. I and love that. that yeah, that will bring mm -hmm. them um, definitely some joy too, aside from the consistency. Yeah, that's and I saw that video that you sent of of your son, my nephew, um, watching his teacher and participating, and he was really excited. You could see that because it was something he was familiar with. It was normal. It was a normal. It was on the computer, but it was a normal thing. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was very uh, neat to see that. Um, mm -hmm. In addition to like the welcoming, you might have something throughout the day um, that you do as well. And so that that usually is called an engaging, uh, an engaging routine or an engaging activity. So some teachers do um, active, act, they, they relate it to academics. So at uh, one time, uh, sometimes school counselors are asked to do odd things. Um, that <laughs> might not be school counseling. You can relate to that. Time, yeah, and so, you know, if you're you're needed or you you know they tap you and we need you, we'll go. And so one time I was in a math classroom, and so the teacher had she quickly told me like in 30 seconds, okay, you're gonna do this and this and this, and I was like, okay, I'll figure it out. And I looked to the kids, and they're telling me, okay, you're gonna crump. We're playing snowball, and so you might have heard of this like technique, mm -hmm. but she does it almost every day with math problems. And so she'll have a math handout. And so they crumple the same paper mm -hmm. and they write down the, and so they kind of took the lead. And so I was very intimidated. I was like, wait, what <laughs> is happening here? 
but they've done it so many times that an activity like that, it, it wasn't because after the second round, I was like, okay, they know how to, they solve the problem. They write it down on their paper. They wait till everybody's got a thumbs up. They say snowball, they throw it in the middle of the room. They pick up someone else's paper and then they go to the second problem. And they did that about 10 rounds. And so that was like her engaging activity. And so mm -hmm. maybe there's, and even though that's a very physical, gotta right. be there kinesthetic, maybe there's a way that you could, you know, call it that and yes. have them be shout out online, you know, shout out virtually or, hey, quickly, you've got 10 seconds to answer this question. You know, we're, this is our snowball quote. So uh -huh. anything that those engaging activities that you would do midday um, to keep your kids engaged, find a way to adapt it you know, virtually. Yeah, I like that. And you're right. Even just calling back to the name and using some of the same language or some of the same structures, even though it's not the exact same activity, it can help kids go, oh yeah, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Very valuable. Mm -hmm. And so kind of along those same lines of consistency is the optimistic closing. So um, that may look different in any kind of, whether it's a, a team meeting, teachers or staff, uh, kids, so you might be thinking of, of one that you would you would do, but I was thinking of one teacher who she had this um, fist bump, like a double fist bump, and a and a like a ten. She would put her hands up, and then she'd ha say, "Have a great day. See you tomorrow." And so that was like the closing. It was more. It wasn't an opportunity to like share something, but for kindergarten, that was just like, okay, that sealed the deal. That was the end of the day, and they're getting on the bus, right? Yes. Um, and so one, one upper grade teacher, she would share the weekly quote and they would, as the week went on, they would talk about like what it meant to them, right? So they have a quote every week or, um, yeah, or a phrase. And I think in this time of, of not knowing what's going to happen, I think it might be a good idea to use that optimistic closing at the end of the day mm -hmm. to like let kids journal their thoughts or write down what how they thought today went or some kind of reflective piece that you do every day during this closure virtually um that way they know what to expect every day that they're going to yeah. do this piece, whatever it is and it, like you said it could be something reminiscent of what you did in the classroom it could but it, it maybe it's something different now mm -hmm. kind of yeah even just having them like kind of what you're talking about before having them say what they hope for the week or what they hope for tomorrow or for that evening, you know, maybe even just thinking about we're signing off. It's, you know, 1230. You've got a long day ahead of you at home still. So what do you hope for the rest of the day? Right. I agree. I, t I, I often, when I get stuck in the middle of the day, I try to think of a question like that. Like, what do I hope for? What, what is it one thing? And sometimes if you make, put too many things on there, mm -hmm. um, it's like, you know what? I just hope that I, and sometimes it's not a to-do. Sometimes it is an action thing. Sometimes it's just a feeling. I'm, I just say to myself, you know, I hope I'm feeling, I'm hoping that I'm going to be feeling better by the end of the day. And so even mm -hmm. just by hoping it, um, kind of um inclines me to, to for that to happen or it gets me in a more positive way of thinking or like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a positive way yeah <laughs> that's, that's yeah that's a good way to put it yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right those are great ideas and i really love that i feel like i've been getting a lot of questions from teachers and coaches right now and it feels and i totally understand why because this is this has thrown everybody for a loop it's positively surreal but they're like, well, what do we do now? What does learning look like? You know, mm -hmm. and it's, it kind of feels like, oh gosh, we have to dump everything we ever knew and start over. 
And I get it because that's what happens with a big shift like this. You feel completely overwhelmed for a little while at least, but we don't want to dump everything we ever knew. We want to hold on. And maybe that's all we do at first is we start with those pieces that we know really, really well and we transition them and then we can add other things once we have the basics in place. Yeah. Like it sounds like a baseline, like establishing Mm -hmm. this baseline with the things we already know Mm -hmm. and and building upon what we know instead of reinventing the wheel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how can teachers build in opportunities to work through these challenges? We were talking a little bit about providing consistency, which is, you know, can be a challenge, but you gave us some ideas, but how can they work through the challenges that our kids, that our kids are facing um, emotionally right now while still doing what's expected of them? Because some districts and some states are putting out some really specific things that they want done. And I mean, it looks different everywhere. Every, this is all over the map. Everybody, you can't find two different teachers in two different districts and get the same answer of what's expected of them right now. But some are really asking for lots of curriculum, which I understand and I don't, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's, expe- I do think, um, there have been talks about expectations mm-hmm. amongst teachers, amongst uh, the teachers talking about what are we expecting of the students. And um, I think one thing, a place to start is kind of utilizing whatever your local, like your school is using, whatever your district is providing, um, tapping into bigger networks like your professional organizations, like for mm-hmm. coaching or for like counseling, we have the school counseling, uh, ASCA, American School Counseling uh, Association. So they've put out resources. Um, your state, whatever state you're in, might already be putting resources out specifically to what's happening. Um, and also your social networks. And I put role models um, like uh, Buzzing with Miss B that are professionals in the field that are putting content out. Like So tapping into resources that already exist and they are already adding to, uh, in the midst of, of this virus, um, how to how to deal with those things. It's really just taking time to dive into uh, your resources first before you even think about like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what what is out there? What's available to me that's easy that I'm already connected to first? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really important because I feel like we've talked about people are trying to reinvent the wheel, but if something is in place, you have to first know what you're expected to do. And then you can say, okay, this is what's expected of me. This is what I think is important for my kids right now. And then you can work on creating a a platform that will do that, that you can use to do that. But until you know what you're supposed to, like what you're starting with, people are scrambling, putting together these long lists of resources without really knowing what the point is, I feel like. Um, and it's a good intentions, right? Coaches are like, well, let me here, here's 97 different things you could do. But then teachers are like, I don't, what, what do I do though? Yeah, exactly. So what do I need to do? And then what do my kids need me to do? And then I can figure out what resources will help me do those things. Yeah. And the reality is most of us do not know what exactly yeah. is expected of us that Absolutely. is i think that's true and so i think that the, everyone who who wants to help is sending out lists and lists and wanting to be right. helpful and so um um yeah and i think it, it can be overwhelming just seeing all this stuff and so mm-hmm. 
I really think we need to keep um, some things in mind as we're all trying to figure it out. We're not exactly sure what's expected of us. We see all these resources. We're trying to tap into what's useful for us. It's just having in mind, I wrote these three C's down when I was thinking about it. When I think of the word expectations, it already has mm -hmm. a little bit, a little so bit of an anxiety inducing word, right? right? Or workload and professionalism. I thought the first one is compassion really compassion for yourself in these times and compassion for others because even those that are bombarding you with information they're doing it with good intentions and so mm -hmm. they're trying to help and they don't know they don't know how to either so we're all trying to figure out how what is the best way mm -hmm. so having compassion for yourself and knowing when to take a break and having compassion for others um, another C is communication um, I recently communicated um, to my administration that we had a lot of training. We had a lot of, like you said, expectations we had to do by a certain time. And so with everything that's happened and we had um, some difficult uh, individual situations unfold this week, um, I wasn't able to get X, Y, Z done. So I communicated and I said, you know, this is where I am. This is what I'm hoping for, but this is where I am right now. And so just mm -hmm. keeping that communication open because we have to be flexible with each other and tell each other, especially if you work for somebody else, right? That, hey, this is where I'm at and just being open and honest, right? Mm -hmm. And I think lastly is collaboration, which is a big um big part of it is that really you have you have your grade level teams you have your coaching teams you know who you could count on before this all happened and so really collaborate with them what do you what are what have you been successful in we're not sure what is, is, is expected yet but what's something you're working on I think that's what I've done um, to help me kind of gain some direction or define I should say find a little direction as more stuff is coming out from the people at the top as they're getting together mm -hmm. all their resources I love that too I think um, really pulling together the best of what you can do as a team is going to be the best way to approach this no matter what because this is way too overwhelming for any individual person so as a as a coach you can really pull your teachers together in your PLCs and then you know what delegate and you know disseminate and assign roles not necessarily all from you I, you know the team can do this but figure out who's gonna do what and then pull your your ideas and put together the best possible plan together because if you're all doing your own thing that is everybody planning from start to finish and that is just way too much right yeah I think yeah think of it as a puzzle you know like pieces. yeah because if you have to do the whole thing yeah it would feel very overwhelming and where yes. you would have to be, you would be thinking okay i'm starting from nothing right and so really once you start talking to your your peers and you start collaborating you're like oh i was thinking that too or you know i hadn't thought of that and maybe some people will voluntarily want to take the lead in certain areas or things they feel confident in mm -hmm. so um yeah collaborate collaborate mm -hmm. with your team yes do For it sure. Um, oh, it's actually whenever I was talking to Ben, I he my my brother, the one I told I mentioned about the Google Apps episode, which is another bonus episode we're putting out. Um, he was talking about how he has one Google Classroom for all the world geography students in the school in his high school, and it's four different teachers, but they are all collaborating to put out assignments that all the world geography students will do. So one teacher isn't responsible for, you know, their own class and another teacher does their own thing. Everybody's pulling their, 
the resources and ideas. And even, one teacher is um, and on his team, he had mentioned this to me a while ago. This is a, wasn't on the podcast, but it's a really great point. One of the teachers was concerned because they didn't really have the background with technology. And Benny said, well, take a picture of the assignment that you would do with this, with this unit that we're working on and I'll format, format it in the technology that we're using. But if you can send me the assignment, then you've already created the ideas and then I will just format it. So everybody can contribute at a level that is appropriate for them at this moment. Yeah, that's really great. That's really utilizing someone's strengths. They already yeah. have the plan, the content. He's the one who's able to digitize it. Right. And so that's, um, that's great. That's a yeah. great example. Yeah. I thought it was really good too. I was like, nice work, Benny. He's not an instructional coach. He's a baseball coach, but he is a coach. And a lot of times the work that we do is so similar. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. We've got a lot of educators in the family in different, in different roles, but they interlap for sure sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. knowing that we kind of talked, started talking about this a little bit, but knowing that teachers are going through so much, what are some of the things that instructional coaches can do to support them as they're working with students virtually or via paper packets? And some, in some cases, both. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about um, organizing PLCs, and you can use Zoom to do that. Um, it's Zoom. You just Google the word Zoom if you haven't seen it already. It's free for one-to-one -one conversations for as long as you want. Uh, in, whenever you're involving more than two people in the conversation, it's free up to 40 minutes. But then if you like get kicked out, you can just log back in and it's all fine. So it's not hard to use. And um, that's one way that you can coordinate things. I actually had a really fun mom's night in last night using Zoom. And we all had our own little um, canvases and paints. And we all painted pictures and used Zoom to, to talk with each other, which was a really fun event. And so you could do a PLC that way totally. So what are some other things that coaches can do to support their teachers right now? That's a, a very clever way to stay connected. And we're going to be, yeah. And I'm, and you did that with your, your, your friends, right? But yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I think coworkers, we like coworkers sometimes do happy hours, right? right. They, get, they do things on the weekend together. So it's important to remember, yes, we're having Zoom meetings about, um, you know, all this front uh, frontal lobe thinking stuff, like all right. these to do's, right? Problem solving. Right. We need to have that relate. Uh, we, in, in, uh, the, in counseling, we talk about regulate, relate, reason, right? And so relate is that metal piece. We need to relate to one another. That's part of being connected. We're social mm -hmm. beings. And so don't forget, so your colleagues are also social beings. And so, yeah. um, they might be interested in doing something sure. like that to decompress because you might ordinarily do that if you were stressed out physically at work, you might say, right. Hey, let's go do X, Y, Z together. Or you'd visit somebody in their classroom. You do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You bring, you do a little coffee, you bring each other coffee, you mm -hmm. do something, you know, so I think that's really neat that you did that. That's real quick. I just had a, a one fun way to use Zoom would be Pictionary. That would be a fun oh, game. Yeah. You could do like a faculty game night thing and you could do Pictionary. I don't That's know about other, probably you could do Scrabble. I mean, because mm -hmm. everybody would have their own letters. I'm sure you could figure that one out, but Pictionary is an easy one. Or you can all log in. Now there's so many games, like, you know, like there's yeah. friends was a, a thing for a while. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's like a, a games online that you could do as a team, mm -hmm. right? That'd be um, yeah, something. We'll look into that. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing, back to your question about, um, you know, how can coaches support teachers and um, working with 
uh, students virtually. Mm -hmm. um, I think teachers are going to have so many questions. So I think yeah. as a coach, just, um, you know, coaches often, uh, you know, are leaders. And so they're going to be asking you so many questions. So just being open and, and knowing you might not have all the answers, but just know that you're going to get a lot of questions. Yes, for sure. And you probably already have. You're probably nodding right now if you're listening because, yeah, definitely lots of questions. And sometimes teachers would ask questions that were impossible for us to answer, even in a school setting, even teachers who have been doing it year in, year out. Just change is scary no matter what the change is. So sometimes people would come and say, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And we'd have to say, we're going to do the best we can today. Let's put the best plan together that we can together, and then we'll figure it out after that. We'll try it out. We'll see how it goes, and if we need to change it, we will, but all we can do is put the best possible plan that we can together today, and then we can move on from there because yeah. it's easy to, like, you just, I mean, it's, it's normal. It's human, human nature just to, we have a lot of questions right now about what's going to happen. Nobody really knows. Um, the answers to these things. And so sometimes our questions get carried away and then we end up like, well, that was a downer of a conversation, right? Because we're just also overwhelmed and scared. But if we can say, you know what, let's focus on this and do the best we can with this today. Sometimes that's the best we can do for our teachers. Yeah, that's very positive. I think um, that's very useful. And, um, and I think honesty too. If there's still things you don't know and if they're asking about timelines, resources. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to say we don't know. Sometimes sure. um, when uh, we're in a position, a leadership position, we want to have everything mm -hmm. controlled and, and like we know what's going on. But the, the fact is admitting that we don't know that we're going to, like you said, we're doing the best we can. We don't know this yet. Right. right? Can be like, okay, like they're figured out too. It's just that sense of like, hey, we're in this together. Yes. You know, versus kind of, we've all been there like, oh, trying to keep everything afloat, um, whether it's in our family or, you know, within our relationships or friendships or at school, like, oh, but we don't, we don't think to say how we're really feeling or what we're thinking. And so then it creates more distress on ourselves. So it's okay to mm -hmm. say, you know what, I don't know the answer right now. I don't know yep. that. But the, and just focusing on what you do know. Yeah. I think teachers appreciate that honesty too, because whenever we try to pretend we know or to estimate what the possible answer could be, we lose credibility because we, it's not true. It's not accurate. So it's best to be honest and say, you know what? I don't know. This is the best information that I have is what I'm giving you, but let's just do what we can with the information that we have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it builds trust. It really yes. does. Yeah. Um, and I think being willing to empathetically listen when there's problems with technology or mm -hmm. ways of getting information out, or sometimes things don't go as planned. And so a teacher might be listing all the things that are going wrong. And right. so they just need to get it out. We've all been there. We need to just get out how we're feeling, kind of just vent. We'll have that person we go vent to. And so you might be getting a lot more of that if you're talking to teachers individually and just list, just, just listening to what's going on before we want to just automatically fix or start right. to problem solve. Um, especially during this time, they might not be ready right that minute to hear that. So they mm -hmm. just need you to know where they're coming from, what their frustrations are. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that'll go a long way because once we can get that out there, then slowly we can kind of get back into um, solving those problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's the first step always is to listen. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. And, and just okay. be flexible. We all have to be flexible mm -hmm. and be, give ourselves grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is hard to do, especially many coaches are, are in that position of, of being, you know, very driven and organized and, and purposeful. And, and that's not probably happening right now. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to be your most productive during a pandemic. You're just not. Yeah. That's my new yeah. mantra. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. We should be on a, a coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, the t-shirt. I should write it on a mirror every time I look at it. I need to put it on the refrigerator every time I open the fridge, which is 972 times a day right now. <laughs> right. So we talked a little bit about access being an issue as far as equity goes. What are some ways that teachers can approach curriculum that are equitable? Because, you know, I heard something the other day um, from the Science Penguin, and she's excellent if you do any work with um, science content at all, especially if you're a Texas person and you're a science person, you should be following the Science Penguin. Anyway, she was talking about how she had had a conversation with a teacher who was having to provide science instruction to students who did not have access to uh, they had access to a cell phone, but no, no data, like we were talking about earlier. They didn't have any other technology that they could use, um, and they were not able to get paper packets. So the teacher ended up having to teach them via phone call. That's what they ended up figuring out. That was their best possible plan. Mm -hmm. So that's, and that's, that's tough. I mean, there's not, they could, she could text them a picture of a diagram or something, but that was really the extent of the materials the kids would have, and then everything was verbal beyond that. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways, some ideas that you have that teachers can approach curriculum that are equitable that kind of address some of these issues? Yeah, I agree that it, it is, um, it is difficult. And so in that situation, that example that you provided, it, um, it was a mode of communication. It wasn't maybe the, I, the best right. ideal way, but in some way they know their teacher is there to help. Right. right. Trying. They just knowing that whether any of that content is actually sticking or they're getting it, getting it in any way, we don't know that. Right. But you're doing, you're using the medium that is available and you're communicating. So mm -hmm. I think that's a good example of just doing the best with what you can. If that's, yeah. if that's what you have, then utilize what you have. And so um, I think for those that have more access in some ways, um, I think there's a couple things that I would keep in mind um, when you have expectations of your students and you're, you're putting curriculum up and content. And so keep in mind, if they're older kids, they're going to have multiple subjects, multiple things to do. And so the last thing we want them to do is so this big change is already hard enough Them feeling overwhelmed of, I have however many subjects, however many assignments um, due at this time. And so being flexible with your kids. Uh, your student, what you expect from them during this time, even just encouraging participation, you know, just encouraging, hey, you're logged on, that's great, you know, hey, you picked up the phone, it's great to hear you, you know, hey, you're responding to my messages, wow, you know, it's really good to, to see that, or whatever, just encouraging um, them being present through whatever medium you can um, is, is just, will show them that, hey, you appreciate them, and that you're being positive, and you don't have these, like, this laundry list of expectations from them, right? Yeah, because that could be, that's overwhelming right now. I mean, they're trying to deal with so many things and if, but just showing up, showing up for your kids is so important. Yeah, yeah. And then when they show up on the other day, other end, it's, um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's very powerful. Yeah. I heard um, 
I heard a, um, I think it was, yeah, it was a piece from a college professor about um, they weren't expecting uh, to give grades and they made the case mm -hmm. that they would not uh, give grades. And they said, because of those inequities we've kind of already talked about, um, it would be so unfair to say, I'm going to grade you on these assignments when right. um, some, some students um, don't, aren't at home and have access to Wi-Fi computers. They, they were there in college on a scholarship. They would do all their work in a computer lab. Um, so when all of those things um, are not available, and they're just trying to figure out where they're going to stay next because the dorms are closing. Like, is that really a, really, a realistic expectation to be giving them grades on right. online assignments? Um, and so that just made me think about our younger, you know, K through 12 students, like, wow, if we're thinking um, that way about adults, right, right, or young adults, right. Right, then we need to even more so um, have flexibility with our children and not not overwhelm them and just encourage this, encourage them. Um, where the district where I work has said all this this extra work, they're, they're just kind of calling it enrichment, right? Mm -hmm. um, we do want to get give them access and try to get whatever we can to them, but um, I just think it would be unfair um, to right. grade them during this time um, in any way. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and that creates a whole other slew of consequences, right? But mm -hmm. as far as graduation and, you know, right. it impacts a lot, but I feel like those problems we can solve, we can figure them out. But if we're holding kids accountable for something that they have no control over, then that's really wrong. Right. So I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one point we talked about this plan with the, the teacher on the phone and, you know, talking through science with the kids and, um, and some teachers are going to have to assign grades even though they don't believe in it. I mean, it's just going to put people in tough positions. But sometimes it's happened to me when I'm coaching with a teacher through a challenge that has elements that we can't control. Sometimes by the end of our, our problem solving session, the plan that we arrive at, I'm so unhappy with it because I feel like not, nothing against a teacher. I feel like it's just not the teacher deserved a better plan because, it, I mean, obviously in optimal situations, we would have been able to create an amazing plan, but there are so many factors that impact what we have to work with that that was the best plan we could put together. And so I will sometimes feel down at the end of one of those problem solving sessions, but there have been times when I have felt that way. And then the teacher, I say, you know, how do you feel about this? And they feel amazing. And it's because they actually have a plan now, mm -hmm. whereas before they didn't. They were just looking at all these hurdles going, I have no idea where to start or what to do. But having a, a buddy to talk through, with thing, you know, through things with and somebody to help them problem solve, at least now they have a, a somewhere to go. So like that teacher who's coaching on the, or teaching on the phone might have felt like, at least now I know what to do. I can right. start. I can do something. I was told to do a thing. I was not given any tools or support to do it. And now I have a plan on how I'm going to do it. And so sometimes we, we don't want to project our feelings of, oh, this is the worst. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm, I'm telling you that what you're going to have to do is teach on the phone. Like we don't want to project that. We also don't want to be Pollyanna and pretend like it's all fine because obviously this, that's not the case right now. This is not all fine. But we have to be like, you know, we have to respond and say, how do you feel about this, this plan? Do you think this will work? 
Is this something mm-hmm. you can try? And then when, if the teacher feels good about it, well, let them go. Let them have it. Don't, don't rain on their parade, you know? Um, we don't want to project our feelings of inadequacy because that's really what it is, that we can't fix their problems. I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I don't feel good unless I'm helping people fix things. And so I don't want to project that on people whenever we can't fix all the problems realistically. Yeah. That's a good follow-up question to ask um, when you're doing these planning. Like, how do you feel about it? Mm -hmm. Um, I like that because it can really bring some insight to where you're at and where they're at. And so, um, and then make you realize, well, if they're, like you said, if they're good, then, you know, why rain on their parade if they're feeling like this may be successful? And so when they report back to you, that could be a question you say, like, what what was successful? Like, what went really Mm -hmm. well? And you can just build upon that, even if originally you thought, hmm, I don't know how this, uh, right. for whatever reason you weren't satisfied or you had questions about it, it might evolve over time as you see yes. okay, our, our work together is is progressing, our work together is reaching students, it's reaching teachers. Um, so yeah, I think, and I think that's normal. We're just, we're just trying to be helpful and do whatever we can. And, but yeah, that follow-up question is really important. Like, what do you feel about it? How do you how do you think um, this went? That's a really good um, closing question. All right. Awesome. See, I didn't even know, and I was just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're already on it. <laughs> I, I did so, want to mention something. Um, back to um, equity and um, yeah. resources, though. Um, I think another thing, when it comes to reaching, so we're, we're talking about coaches reaching teachers, teachers reaching students. Right. When it comes to that piece, reaching um, students, um, these instructions need to be simple and clear, right? Mm-hmm. We like to kind of, I, mean, I say we, I just mean educators in general, we're putting, mm-hmm. we're putting the standard, we're putting where it's coming from, we're putting um, all the things you're going to cover. And so I got this, um, you know, state uh, packet that had a good, um, like I'm looking at it as a teacher, I'm like, okay, it covers this, this and that. But I'm like, man, as a parent, I'd be like, what is all this stuff? Uh-huh. You know? So whatever you're sending to parents, getting to, to to kids, making sure it's clear, it's simple, the instructions are simple, right? Mm-hmm. And, and also, um, you know, language too, making sure if your district or your school offers multilingual resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I know at our school, we do have translation services, our, our district, you know, um, making sure like you're not just running all these packets for nothing. You're not just setting up this right. site and you know what, half of your class can't use it because it's not, um, uh, their home language. bilingual much. Yeah. Not their mm-hmm. home language or we're tapping into, we have, um, parents that may know the language, um, you know, have, have maybe, stepped up as leaders, right? So tapping into those um, parents that are kind of involved in uh, parent-teacher organizations and maybe they can help you out as well. Just making sure like how are we the best we can, how can we get this information accessible Mm -hmm. to all? And so I just wanted to kind of bring that in there that we have to keep that in mind. Yes, language is a huge a huge concern. And so like in the schools that I've worked at, um, I live in a bilingual community. The community is, is bilingual. So classrooms that are bilingual are not, most of the time there is somebody, if the teacher is not, if it's a monolingual classroom, for example, and the parents um, speak a different language, then 
usually it's Spanish around here. Most of the time, like 99.8% of the time it is Spanish. And so there is someone nearby who can translate or it's easy for us to make sure they get materials in their home language because we provide that regularly to classrooms at our schools. But I think in a lot, like if we have a child with a different home language, that's not something we're prepared to accommodate. Or in other places where they don't um, have a huge population of people with different languages, or they have so many different languages in one school, then that becomes a real challenge. Yeah, that's kind of the boat we're in. We have multiple, mm-hmm. we have a, we're predominantly Spanish speaking school, but um, we're 80% Hispanic, Hispanic Latino, um, Spanish speaking families. Mm-hmm. But we do have various, various um languages because we have um, immigrant, newcomers, refugee populations. So we have Farsi, Urdu, Pashto. We have all different kinds of languages. And so um, that is something we're still working on. We often have bilingual resources and things that are in English and in Spanish. But um, when it comes to other languages, we have to utilize translation services Mm -hmm. or have documents submitted. And sometimes they don't always get back in a timely manner because we just don't have as many translators. So um, yeah, so it's a response. We have to think, how can we get whatever information or content we're we're providing, how can we get it uh, accessible to all? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge consideration. So what kinds of lessons would be really great for teachers to focus on right now that would make this experience more manageable for, for, excuse me, I'm, I'm speaking, it's very late. (laughs) I'm going to try that question. Full disclosure, we're doing this. Our, our, my, my preschool and kindergartner are in bed and it's late and her toddler is in bed. So this is the only time we could, um, we could do this. Yes. So we feel you teachers and coaches who are working from home with your children. We feel you. So, okay, let me, I'm going to start over. What kinds of lessons would be really great for teachers to focus on right now that would make this experience more manageable for them and for their students? So like, for example, the other day I heard this recommendation of focus on long project-based learning type things that are going to engage kids for, you know, longer periods of time that are going to be a little bit more independent, um, that, that don't require you to upload a new assignment and a new text every single day, that kind of thing. Um, but what are your recommendations? Yeah, well, I think those are great ideas, project-based, um, also topic-based, um, things that they can relate to while they're at home, mm-hmm. right? A lot of families are cooking, a lot of families are spending time, you know, in their backyards or um, doing things at home. So anything that could relate to what they're experiencing at home right now yeah. um, would be useful. So you wouldn't want to do, if you knew your kids uh, didn't have Wi-Fi and it required them to do research on all the astronauts that have from this year to this year. I'm like, that's not information that they would readily right. have, right, in their home. So, um, you know, but things like recipes, I feel like how-tos, like how do I make my lunch? Like you could write about things um, that they're doing daily, you know, or mm-hmm. their routines at home or, or even values. You could do lessons on culture and values. Like, oh, what is, what's important? Interview your parents, you know, what are some things that are important to you in your um, life? What is something that's been passed down um, in your family? Like there's so much um, within just speaking to each other that you can kind of 
Mm-hmm. And that's just something I thought of um, right now off the top of my head. I'm like, wow, that's actually something <laughs> really, really meaningful that you could do is, mm-hmm. is you're, you're inside. You're, some of us are like, you know, locked inside with our, our, our siblings or our, our parents, right. or, you know, and so we can really take this opportunity to get to know each other and we can turn it into something academic, like a report, an interview, mm-hmm. um, slideshow. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do an art piece, you know, or do a, a, mm-hmm. yeah. a family, family tree, little book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the portrait. Yeah. That would be really cool. An art installment would be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but as far as like um, integrating, um, uh, you know, emotional well-being and social emotional learning, um, I really think you should, you know, ask your SEL team. So usually schools have a team or you might have one at the district level. Ask your school counselor for their curriculum because um, they have a lot of, of lessons. So they might use different things. Like I know we use Second Step for SEL which is a part of like the bigger, the national organization, which is CASEL. And so um, maybe there's some uh, lessons on self-management, time management, Mm -hmm. awareness that you can kind of integrate into your like academic content that don't require, they just require your brain really in yourself. So um, things that kids don't need extra things for. Mm -hmm. That's what I would kind of focus on. That's a really great way to start. Um, If you're not sure about content and where you're supposed to head with curriculum as well, you could definitely start with those kinds of lessons to sort of help kids transition into being students from home or at home. Right. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I started actually uploaded a couple of resources in my Teachers Pay Teacher store because I was getting some questions. It started out I was getting questions from instructional coaches about how to build morale with their teachers because everything feels so disconnected and disjointed and all the cool stuff they're used to doing. I mean, you can't just pop in with, you know, the McDonald's parfait like you usually do to check in on a teacher, you know, so it, it just makes things a little challenging. And so I created these challenge boards. It's like a monthly challenge board or you could set whatever time window you want. And so you get to color in, you distribute it to your teachers, email it, Google Classroom, or however you get things out to them. And they print it out and they get to color in things that they complete. And so I had one that was a self-care challenge, one that was working from home challenge, um, a distance learning challenge, a few different, and the one that was just for fun. And then a bunch of editable ones that coaches can include whatever cool things they want to in there. And so then from there, um, they color it in and they turn it in by the due date after they've completed all the things. And you can choose a winner and award somebody. But then I was thinking, Somebody told me, oh, I would love to use this with my students. And I thought, oh, that's a cool idea. You could do a challenge board with your kids and you can do the same, you know, idea and it can be, you know, I, I did build some in and I uploaded them to my store because I thought it was such a fun idea. Um, one of them is a math and science challenge board and it's like, look around your house and, um, you know, fill a, a sink with water and with parent permission, identify five different objects and see if they sink or float. It's something you can do without a lot of stuff you know, um, but you just have objects in your house. Look around your house and draw a picture or take a picture of five things that use electricity. So it's basic stuff that, you know, a lot of kids have been exposed to, but it's relating it to their homes was what I was trying to get at. And then it's a fun challenge. So if they don't participate, it's okay. It's a bonus, but they can turn it in and you can either award somebody um, and share that on a Google slide that I provided, or you can um, just recognize everybody and say, all these people participated in the challenge this month. Yeah, I think kids or 
adults, you see the word challenge. Yeah. And you know, you've got those people that are like competitive or like, yeah. Right. And, and challenge just has a fun and exciting kind of thing to it. Connotation. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it does. And so, and, and with social media, there's all kinds of like challenges that are dangerous, right? Or not, or negative. Oh, that's or true. Stay away from. And so these are like, no, we endorse these challenges. These are positive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think these are great. Yes. Um, I think do not involve anything dangerous. These are all, you know, light, yeah. fun things to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really uh, genius idea. I like that a lot. I will definitely share that, um, you know, with our staff because um, I think they'll enjoy that. And yeah, it would be fun. Yeah. 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 You'll have to let me know how it goes. Yeah. So did you have something else to add to about the manageable lessons? Yeah. Well, this okay. one, well, I was going to kind of insert a little uh, tidbit about managing this whole experience right not just like lessons but i think what um a lot of we had a lot of good uh, useful information in this this piece that we did but even now in this very moment i'm realizing wow this is just it's like a big giant list and right. so um it's very top it's very top heavy it's very frontal lobe and so just kind of going back um back to like our feelings and back to our basic needs. I think that we got to remind ourselves of these. So this is what I try to kind of always come back to. Mm -hmm. And I, I um, just think it would be important for us to all remember this, like to get through this together. These are some things that you can keep in mind for yourself and for your family and for your kids, right? So two separate things. The first thing is the big three, sleep, exercise, and food. So sleep, our kids need sleep. We need sleep. I am, I would probably not get a good grade in the sleep uh, uh, category right now because I think like most of us, we're staying up too late. We're constantly checking our phones and we have to set a boundary of like, okay, we know this is going on, but when we need to take care of ourselves, that's at the bottom of the pyramid of our needs is we need sleep, right? Mm -hmm. So schedule a bedtime create something with your kids. I recently started telling my kids, okay, this is our, our routine. PJs, potty, brush teeth, book, bed on a non like that night, right? That's like, that's pretty much the routine that I use with, with my toddler too. And that's pretty much yeah. how I say it. <laughs> yeah. PJs, potty, brush teeth, book, mm -hmm. bed. Read books. Yes. Go to bed. Yeah. I literally <laughs> tell her I'm going to throw you into bed. That's what I tell yeah. her. And she thinks it's <laughs> hilarious. So she goes with it. Yeah. I think when, when um, my children were, you know, really young and I was still breastfeeding, I put boob in there. So it was like, <laughs> it was like bath, book, boob, bed. <laughs> so, the four Bs. Yeah, it was really simple. And so, yeah, we took that one out of there a while back. But yeah, it's just it's very, very simple. And, you know, you might want to do something for yourself. Like, I think that would help me too. Because I know tonight's an exception, you know, we wanted to work on this and we sometimes we're like, we get ideas and, and we right. even get ideas in our sleep. Sometimes things just come to us. We're always in that default mode network that mm -hmm. our brain's constantly thinking, even though we're resting sometimes. So yeah, we need to schedule. Sleep is very important. Yes. Um, and rest during the day, having some quiet time or rest time too. And so I have some ideas too for um, exercise or I put movement because um, exercise. Yeah, I prefer that word. Yeah, movement. <laughs> I know, movement. You have to move. Uh -huh. right? um, and I think um, 
you might, if you're a teacher, you might have already heard of some of these, but it's, I'm just going to name some. Indoor, there's Go Noodle, Cosmic mm -hmm. Kids Yoga, dance videos on YouTube, um, yoga poses. There's all kinds of things on YouTube. It, of course, please monitor, make sure you see what's going on on the screens, you know, or, or cast it on your TV so you can see. But um, anything that has movement, there's a lot of really cool stuff on YouTube um, for indoor movement if you cannot go out, right? Mm -hmm. And so my kids, my kids love um, some of those uh, Go Noodles and Cosmic Kids Yoda. And there's some of the ones they do at school too. So that's another thing that's, that's familiar, true for familiar. continuity. Right. Um, and then outdoor. Like I know Christy and I have been talking about like, oh, you know, where did you walk today? Where did you go? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we walked, um, she told me about doing a scavenger hunt and there's some resources like, you know, uh, online uh, for that. Yes. Walking your dog, riding your bike, scooter. Um, you can even do a little mindfulness while you're outside. You can relate it to, to literacy. Like what are the, using your five senses, what are something you notice? And so mm -hmm. there's so much things you can um do being outside even if you only have like half some of you working from home maybe only have half an hour an hour we have like a lunch break you know take a few minutes to go outside and just get mm -hmm. some fresh air so yeah that. we've been doing the i don't know if you've seen um the bear hunt where you're supposed to put a bear in your window or in your you know somewhere that it can be seen from the, from the sidewalk and so annie and i have been walking around and hunting for bears Today, we actually played the song on my phone, and I made the mistake of, I, I, I played it, and then, of course, we listened to it like 79 more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. So yeah. we did that, and we found, we found two bears today in our neighborhood, which was nice, and we have a bear out, so there's at least three bears out here, guys. Um, I don't know how many other bears there are, but it was, it was really fun to do. And then we also have been hunting for the chalk, you know, to see what messages people have written in the road, on, on the sidewalk, so that's been really fun. Yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah, we left a message at uh, one of our neighbor's uh, uh, driveways, and so um, they thought that was very nice. And so, yeah. Yeah, little... yeah, I was thinking about taking chalk on a walk and then putting, like, eggs everywhere so kids could do an egg hunt. Yeah. That's very, um, yeah. And then when they're walking, it's just really sweet. It's very sweet. But the whole point is to get them out and moving. Yes. Moving movement, right? Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then food. Um, you know, I think having, if your kids are getting up like they are getting up, usually for school mm -hmm. I mean have a similar schedule for meals that they do at, at school yeah. it, it, you know and so have having then at school they had breakfast lunch snack and so I'm trying to kind of keep that similar routine um and having our our school has like a specific um program called brighter bites and so I try to have they label them go foods it's basically fresh mm -hmm. uh, fruits and vegetables which is maybe hard right now to get you know yeah to the right food, you know security stuff but I try to have things that aren't candy you know what I mean like yeah I have to have things out that are that I know um that they can kind of snack on throughout the day mm -hmm. but I'm also just trying to keep that regular schedule because if not we might find ourselves just eating all day right because does that happen <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and the days that I've noticed has happened more and the next day I'm like okay what right. am I making tomorrow kind of like the school has a meal you know they have a calendar and it shows Plan. you meal mm -hmm. tomorrow so I told them one day I said like, we're this is what we're having for breakfast this is what we're having for lunch this is what we're having for snack yeah and so the days that I've been more structured it's actually gone smoother there wasn't like can I have this can I it wasn't a lot of questions and okay that's having to be like uh, you know so um, having a plan, 
Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. We have, so I love to bake and I don't usually do it very often because if I bake it, then I will eat it. And I try not to have that kind of thing in the house because it's delicious, you know? So I, but since we've been staying home and social distancing, we have made cupcakes, muffins, banana bread, and then chocolate chip cookies. And then yesterday we baked some sugar cookies and then I'm going to, we're going to frost them really pretty because I cut them out into like, any help me, cut them out into eggs and bunnies and butterflies. And I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so that's what we're going to do because <laughs> I was looking for something that would take a while, an activity that would take us a little while to do the frosting and, you know, trying to fill our days up with engaging stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's a dangerous, um, a dangerous <laughs> path to go down for sure. And, and it's still a positive one because you're building those, those moments those memories with your yeah. kids. And it's we're a, you know, using measuring cups and yeah. talking about math, but you know, <laughs> my two-year-old, but yeah. still. But it's still, you know, it's those times that we can connect, whether we're making meals together, whatever it is mm-hmm. that we're making and with whatever we have, we're connecting, we're, we're doing something together when, mm-hmm. you know, there might be other times where we're, Hey, we have to work or we have to log on or do something. And we don't right. have that kind of time. So keeping mealtime about, uh, uh, you know, meals and sustenance, but also about connecting time would be a good two for, you know, two for one thing is a great, um, thing. And, um, I think lastly, cause I know we've been talking for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lastly is just, um, this, the concept of self-compassion. And so mm-hmm. if, if you're familiar with it, um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful practice. Basically, the idea of self-compassion is whatever you would say to a friend in need, um, whatever kind words you would say to them, you say them to yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And some words that have come to, to mind during this, all this time of planning and what ifs. And uh, I've just, I'm, I, I tell myself, this is something I tell myself, but you got to find the right words for yourself. And I'm going to post some links on some resources below that have, offer some free meditations and um, free resources. But one thing, one kind thing I say to myself a lot is I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. And so it's really goes back to that meeting myself where I'm at. We say meet others where they're at. Well, this is where I'm at. And so it takes me out of those shoulds and coulds and woulds and, you know, those, those, that mind frame. And so I'm just, just being kind to myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that's really important in these times and to know part of that also is that you're not alone, that we're all going through this together. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we're connected. It's, it's that the common humanity piece is that we are all in it together. Mm -hmm. That's true. It has never been truer, I think. I mean, that is pretty accurate right now. Everybody is going through this in some way or another, and there are a lot of similarities in what we're experiencing, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I want to say I'm very grateful for having support. And so, um, and if you feel like you're, if you feel like you're, you're stuck and you don't have support, mm-hmm. reach out, reach out, because you'd be surprised how people are feeling similarly to you. So mm-hmm. there's always, there's always someone to reach out to. And I'll also put some crisis uh, links and phone numbers too um, in the show notes too. That's if perfect. You feel, yeah. If you feel you're just feeling so overwhelmed and you feel like you don't know who to, to reach out to, there are still mental health services that are providing um, tele, telecounseling and other ways and forms of uh, mm-hmm. uh, resources to, to help you in times of crisis too. 
That's great. And that might not be something that might not be a bad idea to include that in an email to your faculty or to however you're sharing um, things with them. It might not be bad to say, you know what, if you're struggling and you need to talk to somebody, I'm here. Um, we're all struggling and that's okay, you know, so you know, you're welcome to give me a call about that. Um, but if you would rather talk to someone else, this is, you know, available to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's always someone that you can talk to mm-hmm. um, and reach out to. Mm-hmm. That's great. So what is the number one thing that coaches should walk away with from this episode? If they only leave after this very lengthy conversation that I hope they got some good stuff. I know I got a lot of good stuff out of it, but I hope they did too. Yeah, it was great. What is one thing that they should walk away with? The most essential thing? That we're going to make it. Oh, and that's that, we. Oh, yes. I love yeah. it. And that we are resilient and we're going to make it through this. I like it. Yeah. And that you are not going to be as productive as usual during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And so we all have these versions of things, yes. but, but, but it's all, I think it's just really neat because find the words that are right yes. for you. Right. Like and, and then you tell, you know, and you, and you and talk, literally talk to yourself if you need to. And mm. you start thinking, you start thinking that way. You start repeating that over and over and you start believing it mm-hmm. and you really do. And so, yeah, find those words, those yes. kind words to yourself that keep you going. Um, and that, um, just encourage you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're right. We are, it's not that we're not going to make it through this. We just have to figure it out a day at a time. Mm-hmm. Things are going to change. There things are not always going to be the way they are right now. It's just right. not possible. We're going to figure something out. Things are going to get better in some ways. We're going to address some of the issues that we're having. We're going to get better through our conversations and the support we're giving to each other. Things will change. They will not always be like this. So we're going to make right. it and things will be okay. Those are some of my favorites too. One thing at a time, one day mm-hmm. at a time, and mm-hmm. nothing is permanent. So mm-hmm. everything yeah. things are always ever changing. So yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Snaps yeah. to that. <laughs> Positive self-talk. Right. Not my strong suit, but I will embrace it for the time being. <laughs> so no, you're okay. doing, yeah, you're doing great. You've got a lot of things that I'm gonna add to my positive uh reel. That's good. Yeah. You know what? It's easy to say positive things. Like you said, when you're talking to somebody else, it's easy to say things and you really believe them when you're talking to the other person, but you wouldn't say that to yourself unless you think, wait a minute, why am I talking to myself in this way? I wouldn't talk to anybody else like this, but this is the way I'm beating myself up for this. When anybody else, if they told me this is what was going on, I'd be like, yeah, of course that's, that's normal. This is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really brings awareness to, to, mm-hmm. Um, how we speak to ourselves. So yes, yes. Um, positive, positive vibes. Yes. I love it. All right. So how can people get in touch with you if they have any follow-up questions? <laughs> so I will put, um, my contact info in the show notes Okay, cool. and, um, yeah, just, yeah. If you ever want to reach out, I'm here. Sounds good. All right. Is it like an email address? Is that what you're going to share with them? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, perfect. So then we'll put those links in the show notes. There are going to be some places you can learn more about what Stephanie has talked about, um, some ideas for taking action on some of these topics that we discussed, and then, of course, the um, crisis hotline information that she shared and her contact information. So thank you so much for joining us today. This was a special bonus episode, and I really hope that it is meeting some of your needs that you're having right now. This is a tough time. We have to be patient with ourselves and with our teachers, even if it's hard. (laughs) So, because we're all going through a lot. So thank you so much for being with us, Stephanie, today. It was fun. Thank you. Uh, All right. And happy coaching.
Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.